0: To go. First time ever, and but I appreciate their willingness to do so. Amen tonight. Deuteronomy thirty three and verse twenty seven. Amen. The Bible says, and this is Moses. These are some of the the last words and recordings of of Moses. His life. Uh, the Bible says he says the eternal God speaking to the children of Israel. They're on the brink of changing leadership and crossing over. He says the eternal God is thy refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say, destroy them. Said so the eternal God is thy refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. For a little while tonight, I would like to minister this. Underneath are the everlasting arms. Underneath are the everlasting arms. Arms, Amen. And it is good to have, I guess, good to have Candy's mother with us tonight. Amen. And, and, and those that are with her this evening, we're so glad to have her. And it is good to have Dick and Helen. It's good to see him rather than seeing him and going to a hospital and seeing him, seeing him here. It's so, so much better. Appreciate, amen, that wholeheartedly. Gregory, we were glad to have you again with us. Amen. In the house of the Lord tonight as well. Amen. Hallelujah underneath our everlasting arms let's pray lord jesus i love you tonight God, help us this evening, God, through your word. God, that you're able to speak and minister in some measure, in some way. I pray, oh Lord, let your spirit, God, blow in here, Lord Jesus, and reassure us, God, by your spirit and your power. I pray, oh Lord, tonight, God, speak, Lord Jesus, expediently, Lord Jesus, into our hearts and minds. God, help, Lord, God, the souls that set up on these pews tonight. God, they can be ministered to by the word of the Lord. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Underneath are the everlasting arms. Again and again tonight, I will probably tell you that here in the book of Deuteronomy, if you read it carefully and if you bend and listen closely, you can almost hear the stirring words of this old man at this juncture of his life by the name of Moses. This is just not any old man whom God has used mightily throughout his lifetime, and now he has some just flimsy parting words for the people that he has walked so closely with and togetherness through the best of his ability led for the past 40 years. But Deuteronomy pours out, out Moses' song, if you will, as the ripest and the most choice fruit that comes from a lifetime of communion and service for the Lord that Moses is speaking in this final hours of his life. The book of Deuteronomy in many respects is the song of Moses. It is his testimony in many respects. The text that I read to you this evening is coming to a crescendo. It's coming to a peak in this song of Moses, if you will. It's full of spiritual feeling and spiritual meaning. The purpose closing out in this song is that Moses is leaving some things behind so that the nation of Israel will hear and that they will remember. And obviously tonight, some of his experiences in life has colored his words that he is speaking right now. Words that the Lord has impressed upon him to write for the nation of Israel. His life, Moses's life, has been marked by some times that were up and some times that were down. He had been prepared in the finest schools of the world, in the palace, in the prestige of Egypt, amen. That the world had ever knew in its time, and he had some very great aspirations for his life, and the Egyptians had aspirations for him, but it all fell apart for Moses, partly because. He had made a mistake. He had made a mistake, but that mistake that he made was partly because it was a plan, the plan of God that God had intended for his life. His mistake was that he was murdering, or murdered rather, an Egyptian slave driver. A slave driver, by all means, that probably deserved all that he got. But the law of Moses should have not been factored into this picture, the lynching or whatever it was, manner in which he took this man's life. But generally speaking, most of the men of this world and our world uh, never plan on the mistakes and the failures that they make in their individual lives. There are probably some things that lead them down some paths, but most likely none would ever dream that this would be their lot, or a mistake or a failure would be their lot. But all in all, Moses' mistake became God's blueprint, God's plan. It would be a blueprint that God would draft out the construction of and the character of of this man that we know well by the name of Moses the Bible says as the Hebrew writer writes in Hebrews 11 and verse 24 he says that by faith Moses when he was come to years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God amen than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasure in Egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Amen. His great education in the court of Pharaoh appears to languish now. We understand through the story in the desert for 40 years as he's on the backside of a desert. Before God found him at a burning bush, his education is just languishing there. It appears that a murder has caused him now to flee for the rest of his life. In the backside of a desert situation. That he has been forced what would seem like probably to the mind of Moses to a dead end or as it would appear a dead end. But God had some lessons for Moses to learn even on the backside of a desert. And there are some lessons that we can learn in some of the desert points and difficult spots in our life just as Moses learned. Some of the lessons that Moses learned on the backside of a desert are these. And that is that hard times do not erase God's promises. Hard times do not preclude or erase God's promises. Another lesson that he would learn before it was all said and done is that harsh treatment does not escape God's notice harsh treatment doesn't escape God's notice and that the heavy tests that we sometimes endure do not eclipse the concern that God has for us during those hard times. Can someone say amen? And so Moses' failure turned him into a servant. Amen, the desert helped Moses to discover himself more than anything. And This is often what happens to us men and women both who allow the desert to shape them. Hard times to mow them, to put the pressure where the pressure needs to be applied. It forces us to see things within that we're not accustomed to deal with, that we're not accustomed to embrace. And our response to the desert times of our lives often determine the success or the, felt, the, the failure of our future if we will allow it or permit it. There are generally three ways that we respond to the desert, at least from my understanding that we do. When we reach those desert times, there's one or three ways that we respond. I don't need this right now. Or I'm tired of this. Or number three, we accept it. And whenever I say we accept it, I'm not saying that we just resign ourselves to the fact that Amen. That that that. Perhaps this is the way it's going to be. But we come to a place that we accept it. That God through this is still going to bring us to our ultimate destiny, our ultimate goal, our ultimate purpose. Amen. There are some who understand the great value of a 40-year tenure in a desert, if you will. We can consider our own deserts in our life, and we can reflect upon the hardships and the hard times and what happened in the desert. Amen. But when we consider Moses, he went through a time out there in the 40 years of the desert it reduced his tempter it reduced and subdued his temper he wasn't quick at the handle as he was when he first went out to the desert those years of being in the desert weaned him from all the setups and the supposed sweetness of the world that he had the 40 years prior of being in the palace of Pharaoh those years gifted his heart it gifted his ear amen to those that suffered loss he knew what it was like to suffer loss and he could empathize with them and knew about their loss. But there were other circumstances in Moses' life as well. Not only did the desert seem to attempt to choked the life out of him, as it were. Amen. But Moses had other circumstances that he had to endure with through his life. He went to the mountain of God, the Bible says, and he met with God. And not only would he meet with God, but he would meet and return a changed man. Amen. He had a personal revival on the backside of a desert. He had a personal revival on the backside of the desert. But what he had to understand was this, just because I had a personal revival, that doesn't mean my locality and my nation is going to have a revival. Because whenever he would return from the mount of God, getting the Ten Commandments of God, we even read in these episodes that whenever he returned, he found Israel dancing around a golden calf. He had a revival up there, a circumstance of life, amen. But he came down and they were not having revival. So you can't expect every time you have a personal revival that the world around you to have revival. But I will say this on the contrary tonight too. The world will never have a revival if some of us don't have a personal revival. He had been through some things in his life, not just on the backside of the desert, but through his life. He had endured the criticism of his sister and his brother over his choice for a wife. And sometimes some of the grandest criticism that you have to deal with is that of your family. It's the day that he had to stand there by himself with that disgraceful attack from his brothers and her sister. That they tried to pull him down from the place that God had been working through him for the entirety of his life. He had to deal with that. So he had to endure the criticism of his own siblings it was at that point that the final pieces of Moses' greatness was put into action according to the scripture throughout his life there was something that was developing It was called meekness, and he is known in the Bible for meekness. Numbers 12 and verse 3, the Bible says, Now the the man Moses was very meek. Above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. He was a very true meek man. A man that became mild and gentle and humble. A man that had great power and great authority, but knew what it was to hold that in control. And if you track the life of Moses, you will find other instances, other examples where he had tried Trials, temptations, testings of his personal character, situations that God helped bring him through and that he helped others come through. But when we consider the book of Deuteronomy being the song of Moses, the book of Deuteronomy in itself means to remember. Moses wants the children of Israel to remember some things about the journey that they have had. The journey that they had had with Moses. He wanted them to remember some things about the god that they had made allegiance to and to serve as a matter of fact one finds the word remember about 14 times in the book of deuteronomy if you'll indulge me for a moment he told them to remember you were a servant in Egypt and were delivered by God. He told them remember how you were saved from Pharaoh's armies. Therefore do not be afraid. Remember how God led you in the wilderness. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives power to gain wealth. Remember how you provoke God to wrath in the wilderness. Remember the servants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Keep your eyes off the stubbornness and the wickedness and the sin of the people around you. Remember you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord redeemed you remember the bread of affliction in Egypt and how you came out of it remember you were a bondman and now you observe and do the commandments remember what happened to Miriam when she murmured and was stricken with leprosy when she spoke against her brother remember you were a bondman remember you were a bondman remember what Amalek did to you on the way remember the days of old if we took all those and summed them up just in individual categories there were about five things that God wanted them to remember in most was helping them number one remember your God number two remember your redemption number three remember your strength comes from God number four remember your heritage number five don't forget your enemies and so it's a book of remembrance over and over again remember this remember that don't forget this And with all these words of remembrance, Moses now, an old man that has experienced life, he's gonna be unable to go into the promised land. He picks up the pen and paper and scrawls on it just a few more words, and it comes to that verse of verse 27 where he says, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He's on the verge of death. As a matter of fact, don't get out of Deuteronomy until Moses dies and his life is no more. But there was one other important thing he wanted the children of Israel to know. Outside of remembering their God and their redemption and their strength and their heritage and that they had enemies, he wanted just to re-imprint upon their minds don't forget your eternal God, that he's your refuge and underneath who? Underneath you. You as a nation, your families, your tribes, in your people are everlasting arms. Someone say everlasting. Everlasting arms. Now, I don't think for a moment, folks that it took Moses a lifetime to learn this. I don't think it took him a lifetime to learn this. It only took, I believe, a few years, perhaps, for him to determine this. Amen. But even with that, he told us this, that that the intensity that there's underneath me everlasting arms, that has not been lessened by the trials I have met in my life. The certainty of telling you that the eternal God is your refuge has not been squelched because of the 40 years on the backside of a desert that I've experienced. Those things have not snubbed out the flame of the intensity of knowing that God is with me and he's gonna be with you. But if anything, every trial, every test, every tribulation, every time I didn't have water to drink and we was waiting on manna to fall the next morning, all those things just realigned something in my life that God, the eternal God, is my refuge. And underneath me are his everlasting Said it didn't squelch the fact but it emboldened the fact that everything that we had to walk through and go up against, that there was something underneath us. When I read that, I think of other scriptures of God being there in every situation that we endure like Psalms 139. O oh Lord, thou hast searched me and know me. Thou knowest my downsitting." Am I not uprising? Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path, my lying down, are acquainted with all of my ways, for there is not a word in my tongue. But, lo, Lord, Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. It's the word that we need in our lives. You say, Brother McGee, I don't need that word tonight. That's all right. It may not be a word for tonight, but it may be a word for the future that you'll need ringing in your ears. Moses in his old age thought the nation needed it. I believe we need it every once in a while, just a reassuring that the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are his everlasting arms because there's times when I feel like I'm falling. I need to know there's some everlasting arms there. There's some times whenever I don't see the end of the tunnel, so to speak, and I need to know there are some everlasting arms there underneath underneath our everlasting arms had great meaning for the Israelites why because they had walked through the hot desert but underneath our everlasting arms they had weary marches through the sand had worn them down physically and mentally but he's the eternal refuge that they had. Blisters on their feet, no doubt, from the terrain that they had traveled, their wedge, sandals, whatever it was, sharp cuts from thorns along the way. Amen. At times being hungry, other times being thirsty, bruises. Amen. Scattered abroad, but he is our everlasting arms. Underneath, there had come a pressure. From underneath there had come a lifting or a bearing up. Amen. Life has a way, folks, of whittling us down. Life has a way of making us weary. Some of the most difficult circumstances, any man I don't care how good he is and how saved he is somewhere along the way it is the repetitious dripping of the water against the stone that's going to wear it away and what I need in that moment in time is understand there's something underneath me. I'm not standing on my own two feet but I'm standing on something greater. I'm standing up on something that is eternal I'm standing up on I need to know that I am on something underneath underneath there is something that is supporting me there's another component of the word underneath that sometimes there are attacks that assail us from the dark abyss if you will of the world attacks that have come amen in our mind they try to get into our thinking The battle of the mind that we are all subjected to. He comes and attacks us. The enemy, the devil, sometimes very unnervingly, comes into our life and he battles our minds. Tells us that we're not saved. Tells us we're not going to make it. Tells us there's no use in trying. No one cares if you're trying anyway. Tells us all these lies and deceptions. Tells us about how we'll never make it back to where we once were with God. Tells us all these different theories. Tells us how he's going to destroy our marriage and our homes. And there's I hope he tells us all this junk. It's in those moments in time, I gotta go to Deuteronomy 33 and verse 27, and hear hear the words of an old age Moses that's been to the thick and the thin and the up and the down that says, hey, wait a minute, the eternal God. Hallelujah, someone say amen. Because listen, folks, our adversary is on a rage right now. He is wanting to attempt to destroy you individually and the church overall collectively. He's trying to discredit God. The adversary of the soul in this age is trying to discredit God. Has outright lies and half-truths if there is such a thing that he's bringing into the minds of the people and the minds of the church. But underneath me, I have the reassurance there are everlasting arms. The old songwriter said it well. We don't sing them as often, perhaps as we should, but the scripture to the song many years ago. Oh, what fellowship. Oh, what joy divine leaning on everlasting arms. Oh, what a blessedness. What a peace is mine leaning on the everlasting arms we're leaning why they are safe they are secure from all alarm everlasting arms oh how sweet to walk this pilgrim way leaning on the everlasting arms oh how bright the path grows from day to day leaning on the everlasting arms what have I to dread what have I to fear leaning on the everlasting arms I have blessed peace with my Lord so near why because I'm leaning 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 of the everlasting. We need God at all times. But there are times it seems as though we need him more than other times. They needed God whenever they were under the yoke of bondage. Endure the back-breaking task, making Brick. Sometimes brick without straw, mud, straw, work, sleep, maybe some meat, summed up their entire existence. 400 years of that type of labor, that type of schedule seemed to be endless. Always another sphinx to build, another temple, always something else to build. Life had just been reduced to the long, monotonous days of labor. And their existence, no doubt, seemed very purposeless. But something happened, and it happens, folks. Let me tell you something. You say, well, that, that's Old Testament. We don't, we're not under no slavery here, and we're not building bricks with mud and sticks and all this stuff. We don't have to worry about that. Let me tell you, I see it happening in people in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s. In their own personal labor. In their own personal labor. Labor. Life is nothing more but an endless tangled mess of making bricks Monday through Friday sometimes Monday through Saturday sometimes Monday through Sunday 10 hours a day 12 hours a day 8 hours overtime weekends time away from your family and if you don't watch yourself you can just be reduced just to the monotony of the day of just your existence having no purpose and you're just making brick Hey, this isn't the only job. I don't call this a job, but this ain't the only job I ever had. I understand what I'm talking about. There's a tendency sometimes you get in that vein where you just wanna zone out. Just go through the motions of doing what you do because that's what you do every day. But what has happened is this. Whenever you zone out in that area, you zone out not just in the physical realm. You start to zone out in the spiritual realm. Whenever life just becomes life in the natural and you just go to work, you get up, you eat, you sleep, you kiss the wife, you play with the kids, and you go to bed, and that's all life is. Church just becomes a part of that. That cycle. And it's just another thing on your schedule that you do. You zone out. You're just going through life numb. You have no feeling. If it's up or down, it really doesn't mean anything to you because you're just numb. And you get in that little mode of just doing that. And you really have nothing invested. You're really not just throwing yourself into anything. Because life has just become life. And you're under the yoke and the responsibility of duty. And if you don't watch yourself, it will come in on your spirit. And your spiritual status will falter at times. I didn't intend on going here, but I feel in the spirit prompted because I have sat where you sat. And that is this. It is easy to get in the mode. You get up 5 o'clock or earlier. I'm I'm just throwing out of time. You get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. You prepare for your day to go to work and you do your thing. And what happens, it just gets monotonous. And where you would get up earlier to pray or stay up later to pray or whenever your prayer was, that seeps by. And it's no longer a priority. And Bible reading is just something that you do whenever you find time. Let me tell you something. You don't need that, folks. He's trying to get you to zone out. You need to go back. Back to his word, and you need those scriptures like Deuteronomy thirty-three, twenty-seven, 27 popping up every once in a while during those days that tells you the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath you all the while on this journey that seems to be monotonous or his everlasting Are. I need a Psalms 23 that tells me the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I need a verse to pop up in my week that says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. I need it. Is this all? We gotta watch it we get in the monotony of life and I've been there on the assembly lines too we've been there brother Mason remember it there's a lot of monotony to that a lot of routine you can do that stuff without thinking and you bring that over into your spiritual life it doesn't mean anything you're just doing your ritual you're just doing your thing I need times that I get clued back in Lord let him be service times if any times that I get clued back in God the eternal God is my refuge and he's my strength I need God when I'm in the monotony of the yoke of labor we need God in those times we need God in those times that we have times of failure Israel fell into sin in Numbers 21 they spoke against God And they spoke against Moses. And because of that, God brought judgment to their lives. Brought judgment to their lives. Because they spoke against God and God's man. And there's a tendency sometimes, we don't go through the right channels at times, and we get out of sync with God. Amen. That we're aware that there may be some things that are troubling us. The troubling is not of our own making. Amen. But God is really wanting to restore us. He's wanting to remake us and we'll lash out, of other, out at other things in our life that it has nothing to do with. I need God in the times of my failure because too many prodigals lose their way back to the Father's house. The only way back to the kingdom is through the house of the Father we need God underneath us during those times of failure we need God underneath us when we are in times of need when the great burdens have come upon our life and it happens to the great and small men if there is such a thing however man categorizes man but it's during those times of burden that we need God Job needed that underneath everlasting arms when he was trying to ward off the attacks of the enemy against his health and against his wealth He needed that underneath statement Abraham did whenever he had the burden of climbing a mountain to his altar. That's one, I don't got time going, but that's one of five altars, primary altars that Abraham had to his life, in his life. In order for him to reach that one, he had to climb up the mountain even to get to it. And he was going to sacrifice his dear possession, his son there. He needed that utter statement. Jacob needed it while he was by the brook Jabbok wrestling with past mistakes and past sins. Joseph needed it whenever he entered prison. He needed it whenever the chains were shackling him. Moses needed it all throughout whenever things were not progressing for the promise. Elijah needed it whenever depression overtook his soul and he was in the mouth of a cave requesting that God would just take his life. Ezekiel needed it. He had private sorrow but he also had to do public duty. He needed to know that God was underneath. Peter needed it whenever God was changing him from clay to Petra stone. He needed that underneath in his life. John Mark, who Paul and Barnabas parted ways over because didn't want him anymore, part of the plan because he had failed a couple of times. He needed that in order to meet the great success where Paul would later say, bring John Mark with you. He needed that underneath. Judas, even though he denied the Lord and betrayed the Lord and it was fatal and final he needed those underneath arms Paul needed it when he was dealing with a thorn in his flesh he needed to know that God was underneath him and folks I've watched as you watched and we've all watched we've seen God take men bishop has all times said it use them greatly for the kingdom great for the kingdom Great experiences, great manners. And then somewhere along the way, it seemed like there's great hardship and great trial that overcomes their spirit and their soul. Because A.W. Tozer summed it up like this, and Bishop has oftentimes told you this, that no man will God, will God ever use greatly until he has hurt him deeply. And it's in those moments I need to hear the voice of an old man, Moses, that's telling me, underneath are the ever- Lasting arms. Israel, you're about ready to pass into a land that I couldn't take you myself. Israel, everything that has been promised you from your inception as a nation is about ready to come to fruition. And there are still adversaries on the other side of Jordan that you're going to have to fight And that you're gonna have to drive out. And there is gonna be the allurement of false gods, spiritual battles on the other side of Jordan that you're gonna have to contend with. Yes, it's a milk flowing, a land flowing with milk and honey, but it is also a land with its own drawbacks and its own temptations. But hear me, Israel the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the ever Lasting Arms If you'll stand with me tonight And I'll come to a close That was a nice little That was a nice little rendition there Brother McGee No, 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 no Hear me today Hear me today You will meet a point in your life If you've not already met it You will meet another You will meet a point in your life that you're going to need that phrase underneath are the everlasting arms. I don't care how much faith you got. It's going to happen. You're going to need to lean on the words of an old man that had 40 years in a palace, 40 years in the backside of a desert, and 40 years of trying to get God's people out of Egypt that can stand there and tell you God is there. God is there. Because there are going to be times you will not be able to perceive Him by what you feel. And you will not be able to perceive Him by what is taking place around you. It'll be negative, negative, negative. And the only thing you'll have to hold on to is the Word and the knowledge that underneath. Sister Sharon, you know, you've lived enough years on this earth, you know what I'm talking about. It's true. You're going to have to have some times you're going to have to lean back on those arms. <laughs> you know, as kids, and they probably still do it as kids. We used to do, you know, a little faith for fear thing. Whenever you had somebody standing from you, say fall. You remember? You catch them close. You keep backing up, and you catch them lower to the ground. And they're like, you, as they're going down, they're flailing their arms. They have to have the trust and the security that there's arms there to catch them. There's going to come somewhere your walk with the Lord. Your arms are going to be flailing around, and you're wondering if there's anything going to be there to catch you. But underneath. Are everlasting everybody say everlasting everlasting arms we can bow our heads in this place right now hallelujah all across this building amen if we can just bow our heads hallelujah he is here tonight i've felt him here all day hallelujah somebody just needs to lean on him tonight the bible tells us not to lean on our own understanding not to lean on ourselves but lean upon the lord lean upon those everlasting arms ah tonight i just feel directed by the holy ghost that if you've been caught in that that grind of the daily monotony of the yoke and that you've been zoning out, and it's zoned you out even in the spiritual matters. You need to find connection again with the everlasting arms this evening because it'll take you to a rut, and a rut's gonna take you, you know, the only difference between a rut and a grave, they say, is the width, height, and breadth of the matter. If you don't watch yourself, you're gonna make yourself a grave. You need to lean on those everlasting arms arms God's your refuge tonight. He's here to bolster your faith. He's here to bolster your strength. He's here to carry you when you cannot carry yourself, but you got to learn, someone say learn to lean. You got to learn to lean upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Can we raise our hands right now to the Master all across? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.